are back, Buck and Dan Sportsland, an emergency episode. Only one person can pull two new dads and current varsity coaches with zero free time out of retirement, and it is none other than our good friend and national champion from SUNY Cortland, Mr. Zach Boys. Zach, thank you so much for live in studio, live in the garage. We're doing it live. Thank you so much for stopping by. Of course, man. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to come by. I want to shoot the shit. Yep, I want to start right at the championship game. Um, What what has the last week or so been like for you post post championship? Dude, it's been a whirlwind. Like it's been crazy. (laughs) It's been unbelievable. The support, like just hearing from alumni. Um, people from back home, like just everybody, everybody's reached out and said the congratulations and just the support I've had all year. It's just been nuts. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of surreal. Um, and I'm just, I'm just grateful to, to be a na- national champion. And like, it seems, you see like the type of guy, it's, like, it's hilarious that I, you're, you're a national champion. You're, I'm watching you get interviewed on ESPN. And then I wake up to a text uh, that, or like a responding text that I sent you the next day, like. You're a different type of cat that you were able to respond to all those people. How how long did it take you to respond to everyone? Literally the whole entire bus ride home. The entire bus ride. Because I felt bad. I wanted to make sure that I texted everybody. But the night of the game, we got to the hotel at like 1230. And I just threw my phone in my room and we just had a, we had a night. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. I want them to know what it's like being a SUNY court in Red Dragons. We'll dive into that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just we'll start with that game, Dan. How's my voice levels? Good. Okay, so, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, I had a friend reach out and say that might have been the best championship quarterback performance across all levels. Um, 472 total yards. You've heard the numbers. 349 passing, 123 rushing. It seemed like you got hurt late in the game or able to come back. I mean, talk about just how confident you were going in. It seems like this team has been completely confident from day one. So well coached. You have complete belief in your coach and the plays that he's calling, and it was pure synergy out there. Maybe just your thoughts. Yeah, we just – I knew that we just had to kind of play our game and just do what we, we've been doing all season. Um, you know, just kind of turning on the film each week. We knew – like, n- take nothing away from our opponents. They were very good opponents. I just liked us better, personally. Um, just watching the film each week, I'd get more confident as the week went on. Um, I loved our plan each week, and I just knew that I just the less the less I did, the more I did. If that makes sense, um, I just had to get do my job um, and not try to do too much. Just let the game come to me. Um, my ankle has been fucked for like you're fine four weeks, um, but it's it's um, so you know you just gotta kind of play through it and um, you know just be able to get the job done. But I, I you are right, like we're just a confident group. You know, it's just it really just comes from preparation and just watching the film. You know, you can't just watch it one time and just be like, oh, they're good. Like, hopefully we figure it out. You got to really, like, look at them and find their weaknesses. Um, and each week we kind of did that. And, you know, even the best team in the country has weaknesses. Um, so we just had to go out there, play our game, and let let the game come to us. The first two rounds were actually pretty tight. You won at Endicott 23-17. And then you escaped at home oh, versus yeah. Grove City. And I know I was watching on my couch nervous Nervous as heck, they marched down for a field goal opportunity, and it's just crazy how sports work out. I was trying to explain this to my wife, why sports are so amazing, that you and your teammates' lives are changed forever. Absolutely. Based on, not solely based on, but it's crazy that a missed field goal helped that along the way. So 
while that kid was lining up for the field goal, what were some of the emotions going through you and your teammates on the sideline? I mean, just that week and then the week before, I mean, they were on the 10-yard line and had a chance to win the game. So we're all, like, standing there. We're like, is, it, is this over? Like, are we really going to lose, like, right now? And it, it, both were realistic chances. I mean, especially the field goal. Um, it it kind of hits you, like, you know, it, our season might be over right now. Like, And it, it was just a surreal feeling. And then just to kind of escape those two weeks – Especially after Grove City, um, like it was just kind of like, all right, we gotta. That shit can't happen again. We gotta, we gotta buckle down. We gotta figure out what we gotta do. We gotta be better on offense. I know we scored. I think it was like forty six points in two games, and then the next three games we scored more than forty. So you know, we really wanted to buckle down, show what we were as an offense, and you know, those first two games weren't that. So we just had to write the ship. Before playoffs, typically for years has been. Cortland's pinnacle of their season. It's Cortica. Oh, yeah. Uh, a year prior, Dan and I, we made the trip out to the Bronx, watched you <clears throat> play your tail off, but be on the losing end, not play your best game, team football. You'd probably say the same from an in individual standpoint against Ithaca and the Bronx. Um, talk about that win and kind of maybe how it propelled you guys into the playoffs. Absolutely. It's wait, like wait. I've, I want to interject there. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound like a dick thing, but you – it. I wouldn't say just you, but your team. It seemed like at that time the moment seemed a little too big for Absolutely. the Cortland Red Dragons. So also besides the fact that you know, talk about how this win was great this year, but talk about what that loss did for you and your teammates uh, moving forward when you get into these bigger stages and bigger stages this year. Right. I mean, they were kind of asking us all week, you know, about playing on this big stage, and you know, if it's like the first time we've been here for before, and at Yankee Stadium, that's I thought that was the last time I was gonna play on national television. And I embarrassed myself. We embarrassed ourselves. So, like, that moment really propelled us into the season. We wanted to kind of, like, get get our get back and, and fix and right some wrongs. So going into that Cortica game was the only thing on our minds was that Yankee Stadium game. And in, you're 100% you're right. That that game is – that was our most attended game all season. You know, we played in the Final Four in the Stag Bowl, and Cortica topped that. By, I think it doubled the attendance crowd. So that's our biggest game that we play in. The alumni care about it. Everybody cares about it. So we wanted to really get that monkey off our back and get and get after those guys, especially at their place. You know, at South Hill, that was that would probably be my favorite game of all time. Um, I don't know, the Stag Bowl might get might get that I up was there. Gonna say, it but seems uh, like yeah, yeah, definitely the Stag Bowl was better. <laughs> but still, it was still up there. You know, that just that memory of going over there, beating them the way we did. Um, but it definitely was like a monkey off your back because, and I was like, all right, there, here's a relief. Now we got to go make a run. The now playoffs. lock in. Right? Now we got to really lock in. Um, because if you lose that game, it's so hard. It's, I mean, you can ask them. It's so hard to get to get back rolling. I mean, they beat Springfield, but then they lost by 50 to Randolph-Macon. You know, and so it's it's just so hard to – and we beat each other up that game, you know, both teams. I mean, they lost their center. We lost – we didn't have – we lost two of our linemen because of that game. Um, so we beat each other up, and so it really is just hard to, hard to bounce back. But, you know, you learn some tough lessons, and, you know – you get an opportunity to, to right some wrongs. That, this is going to sound so dorky and fanboyish, and my wife always makes fun of me that you're, like, my favorite person <laughs> on earth. Um, but that game at Yankee Stadium last year reminded me of, like, the 2018 Bills loss – or 2019 Bills loss in Houston where Allen kind of running around with his head cut off but still oh, making yeah. plays, and then he just absolutely locks in for the 2020 season oh, like yeah. you did. So that's I just as a comment I wanted to make. I appreciate that. I like that comparison right there. You know, even uh, <clears throat> that team, Randolph-Macon, you guys made like an afterthought, that team that must have beat Ithaca that bad. You guys, that was some pinnacle Cortland football. But just rewinding, I mean, you talked about bouncing back from losses last year. 
mid-September, you were 2-1. and one. You lost to Susquehanna at home. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, but, you know, like you said, how did that loss maybe set you guys, maybe give you guys a little bit of a new direction after two big wins early? Because after that loss, you guys really went on a run, scoring more than 42 points a game for the rest of the season until you got to Ithaca. Yeah. Um, the next week was our bye week. So for us to kind of – we all sat down in the room together and we just – we it was – if you were at that game, anybody watching that game knew that we shouldn't have lost. That game reminded me of every Bills game lost during the drought, where yes. everything that could go wrong in the went last two wrong. minutes went wrong. It was yes. we played an unbelievable game until the last eight minutes yep. of the fourth quarter. It, every Bills Patriots game. That's what it reminded it me. It was of. so frustrating to watch, <laughs> and it really haunted us, like as a program, like coaches. We're just watching it and watching, it, like what happened, and then we kind of like we just gotta forget that, but remember it at the same time. Like when we get into these situations, like we can't just freeze up because. In, re- in all reality, from t- from the top down, you can even ask Coach Fitz. We just froze, like we were like, "Oh, what are we gonna do now? What are we what?" And we just didn't make any plays. No one wanted to make the big plays. And honestly, I don't think we might not win the quarter jug if that game doesn't happen, because we went for it on fourth and two from our own thirty-five yeah. to win the quarter jug. I don't know if Coach Fitz is doing that if we're undefeated and we didn't already face that adversity and face that failure. Um, so that game was obviously huge for us because even like I said during the bye week, we all just kind of came together like, "All right, listen." When the big moment comes, we're going to make the play. And it doesn't matter. You just have to demand it as a player and demand it out of your brother. And, um, you know, that's something that just happened. Yeah, Corey talked about when we kept watching these games and we'd be like, oh, it's a close call. Is he going to punt or anything? And you guys went for it for the rest of the season, basically. Every time. Every time. So it's crazy how one loss can propel a pro. And you'd think it – it's crazy that more coaches don't have that mentality when you have an offensive like that. Very quickly, let's touch on the Morrisville game. I, unfortunately, was on the shelf with an injury for Michael Cotta's wedding. <laughs> oh, but I know yeah. the Morrisville head coach was there, yep. and I heard that somebody at this table might have been overserved, not named Bill or not named Dan, might have been overserved at the wedding, <laughs> in the Morrisville coach's face talking about how he's going to absolutely stomp him. And to actually go out and do that – is remarkable. So I, you don't have to comment on that. I don't want you to, you know, get in any trouble. That is a, a funny little funny little anecdote. Let's talk a little bit more about Coach Fitz. So let's rewind it back even more when when you go back to your uh, Kenmore West days and you're trying to choose what college and Coach Fitz gets the job at Cortland right before you have to decide or was, was he already there a year? How, did you guys come in at the same no, time? No, we came in at the same time, so it was my senior year. So talk about when you first started talking to him, what impression he made of you, and why you ended up choosing Cortland. So I always wanted to go to Cortland. But because Coach, of Buckets and Dan. Because of Buckets and Dan, yes. ex- obviously. Yes. I always wanted to follow yep. in my friend's footsteps. Yep. Um, but Coach McNeil was a coach. I knew him. He was a family friend. Um, and I loved Coach McNeil to death. But I didn't want to have that stigma of like, oh, you know, Coach, that's why you're playing. So I never really gave Cortland any thought. Um and then I was, as I was getting recruited, I didn't really know if I wanted to play basketball or football coming out of high school. So I wanted to go and play my ba- my senior basketball season and see how that played out um, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, get recruited by, by schools like Utica, like Morrisville, where Coach Fitz was at. Um, the co- I'll never forget, some coach, I wish I remembered his name, but he called me recruiting me to Morrisville and was saying, hey, you and Coach Fitz would bond. Like, he he's a great play caller. He's a great offensive mind. I think you guys would really take off. Um and I asked my dad about Coach Fitz because he was obviously coached against him, and he would always just had high, high praise about him. Coach Bicker, the same thing. He was a he was hard to coach against because of how good of a coach and offensive mind he was. Um, so when I heard that he was in the running for the Cortland job, I kind of wanted to just wait it out, see who got the Cortland job. Um, 
and I don't, I can't say that if he got the job there or not that I would would be at Cortland to be honest with you. But the moment that he did, um, he called me up. It was like three days after basketball season ended, and was like, "Hey, we got to get you down for a visit. We'd love to have you down." Um, I went down there and we had a great conversation, man. He just talked about his vision of the program, his vision of how he sees me impacting the program, and you know we just kind of bonded from from the moment that I started talking to him. And at at that time, I just you know. If you when you go on Cortland's campus as a young kid and you see all the facilities, you see all the love that they have for athletics. Yep. It's hard to look at that place and say no. Um, and just to have a great guy like Coach Fitz in your corner that really believes in you, um, just made it like such a no brainer. And um, you know, especially during COVID with all the stuff that went on with me during then, um, he was always in my side, always by my side, always uh, believed in me. So it just went off from there. Yeah, I I want yeah to actually good segue. How explain. What it was like being an athlete during COVID, and especially you, that was your senior. You lost your spring season of baseball when you could have went back-to-back oh, yeah. uh, sectional championships, yep. and then you have to go to college during a obviously an odd time with COVID impacting uh, campus activities and structures and whatnot. And we uh, just talk about what it was like trying to be a, a collegiate athlete during the COVID time. It was terrible. I'm not going to lie. Um being on campus, not being able to get in. Just a college doors. freshman during yeah, COVID. Just a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, we couldn't even go and visit other freshmen that weren't in our dorms. Um, so it was hard to make friends. And, you know, there was there was very strict rules, which I tried to bend and got, got burned. Set. Yep, there you go. And um, But anyways, it was, it was tough, man. Like, you, you were homesick. You weren't doing anything. Um, there was no athletics. There was nothing. We couldn't do anything. Um so it, it really was tough, man. And just to see the difference from that year to my next year on campus was like night and day. So it was just it, – it was tough times, and you just kind of had to get through it. And, you know, great. I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for that. And, so. and Buckets and I love Cortland more than anybody. Buckets probably loves it a little bit more than I do. But if you take, like, socialization away from Cortland, that sounds like hell on earth. What is Cortland then? Yeah, exactly. What are you doing yes, in Cortland, New exactly. York, if you can't socialize? Speaking of Cortland, uh, brings up – the brotherhood, and that's what I think Coach uh, Fitz has done a great job of instilling in, in you as well as a leader on the team. Uh, we love our local guys, and he's a guy that I feel like I'd hit it off with. Uh, talk about a guy who's been in your corner for the last four years, Ryan Bitka. From Amherst, only a few, only a Vladimir Guerrero stone's throw uh, from where we are right now. <laughs> and, then, and, and, and you know what? Zach Boys was, was unbelievable impossible to to guard to do anything he was amazing but i know that you are such a teammate you want to give a lot of credit to the guys up front to the yeah. guys behind the scenes who who really made it all work for you oh yeah if that guy ryan bicker wasn't on our team we're a completely different um completely different offense um the way he manages the game the way he gets his linemen you know he was the leader of our line um and we had a lot of moving pieces going around um and he was like our, our rock he was our anchor you know he was directing traffic out there for me um and it, he just he had a great season. Um, he was just very consistent, very very consistent in what he did. Um, and honestly, he was just a great leader. To see him grow as a leader was huge. And like you say, he's my best friend. So I could get on him. He could get on me. We knew how to get get on each other. Um, and we have great times with each other uh, after uh, <laughs> after after games and stuff. So um, it's crazy being so um, so close with your center. Like you're all up in him. Oh yeah, uh, all the time. Like you you could probably give us a. A pretty detailed description of 
of that man's undercarriage. If oh you yeah. Think about it. Oh yeah. You know, so that you guys got to be close. <laughs> you ain't got. You got. You don't got much other option. You know. So. Yeah. Um. How'd you How'd you meet him? Um. So he just was born into my life. Um. Coach Baker was. Coach Baker coached what with my an dad. Embarrassing question. <laughs> Take a laugh, dude. And basically, he was born like three months before me, and you know we didn't have any other choice, so we better have liked each other. Um, all right, now let's start talking about the boy. I, I'm sure all your teammates are like, "Well, this is boring as hell." These two washed up, middle aged <laughs> dads trying just oozing over our buddy Zach. Now let's let's give some shout outs, and I want to start with that <laughs> with um, the Tommy DeVito of your oh, team. Oh my guy, is baby! That, yeah, Joey Cutlets. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. So I, w- I would like to uh, you to shout him out, explain him a little bit, and talk about some of your favorite teammates that also contributed. I mean, you're you're just one man. It was a team effort to win this national championship. So start shouting out some of your favorite guys on the team. All right. Well, I'll start first with Joey DeVito, Joey Cutlets, uh, Joey everything. And I would just like to get on record that we were doing the Tommy DeVito <laughs> way before Tommy DeVito was even sniffing the field over in, over in MetLife Stadium. When we had two guys get hurt, and he had to step right into and accept the role. Um, and there really wasn't ever a question like how good Joe was. He was a stud. He came in last he's a he's a sophomore this year, he came in last year, and right when he got here it was like that kid can play football. Um Where's he from? Long Island? Long Island. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody else in Cortland, besides like five people. But um so I have a handshake with all the receivers um before the year because when we score we like to celebrate, you know what I mean? So when Joe came in, I wanna say it was the Utica week. That I was like, hey, if you get, you're gonna get in the end zone this week. What, what, what are we doing? So we were thinking it out all week, and I was just kind of going like this to him every day, just like this, just trying to figure it out. He's like, no, we're just gonna do this, and just gave me a little tap. So that was just our thing. It's just every single day, whether I saw him in the hallway at school, or we were just, <laughs> we were just like on the field, like we were messing up, it was just a little tap, and that's all we did. And it just kind of took off from there. Um, he didn't end up getting in the end zone until Cortica, and uh, that's when we first did it. Was was in Cortica, and then uh, obviously the whole team kind of took took it by storm, and um, you know it was kind of sick to see in the national championship. We look up at the crowd, and the entire crowd <laughs> is giving them an I don't know my own. You know what I'm saying? It was it was electric. It's unfortunate the leaf blower, the rake, and the snowboard behind me don't have a built-in camera because it'd be great video. Unfortunately, it's just audio because Zach's here doing the whole thing. Oh, yeah, the song and dance, baby. Uh, I got to ask about a guy, you know, my, my college roommate, Brian Gorman. Shout out Brian Gorman from Comswag. Happens to have a have a fellow Comswag guy on the team, a fellow Comswagger, as I like to call. Jaden Martinez, what can you say about him? He's an absolute freak. Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. Dude, I had no idea he was playing for our team until we came on campus in spring. Or in in the fall, and at camp, and I'm just looking, and this kid's like six three. He's flying around. He's smoking people. It was unbelievable. And I was like, "Yo, we got some linebackers." But the thing about him is, he was hurt the entire year. The entire year, he was not healthy. He'd be a new thing each game, and he couldn't even. He wouldn't be able to walk on Mondays, and would just come in on Saturdays and fly around and just hit people in their mouth. And he um, got hurt in the game? yeah, he got hurt in the game. Well, it's just. Everybody was hurt, you know what I mean? It, we, play, we play 20 weeks straight of football. Um, so everybody's banged up and hurt, and it's just like a new thing each nagging, nagging, nagging. So, you know, to have this time off is going to be great for the guys and to, to get the, them healthy. But he was such an X, X factor. Jack Whiney coming in. He came in in the spring, and right right from the jump, you knew that he was going to be a difference maker. Um, so we got some guys on defense, some transfers that really impacted our team in, in, in a crazy way. Who went off in the national championship game? 
Uh, defense, offense. Offense. Who Cole did, Burgess. Yes. Number Let's fifteen. Talk about him. What great? What year is he? He's a senior. Okay, so he's a senior. He's obviously great. And does yeah. he have a? Like, no. Okay. No, so no. he's done. He's done. a senior. He's actually. I mean, his story is crazy. I mean, he's that was his like seventh year in college. So. <laughs> I like that. I but like I'm telling you, right, I'm telling you right now, he will be on the he will be on an NFL roster in, okay. the, in the fall. All I right. can guarantee you, he's the best receiver in D3 football, and it's not even close. Um. Just he's so damn fast. He's physical. He's big. Um, I mean, him and JJ they complemented each other so well. Um, but the thing about Cole is he worked his balls off, man. Like he came in. He's an older guy. He was banged up, and every single day he practiced. Um, he just always wanted to win. He did whatever it took. Um, he was a big leader in the receiver room, just getting on those guys about you know just working hard because you know how receivers are. You know, some days they wanna they wanna run, some days they don't want to, and I don't blame them with how much they gotta run. And they were, the way their bodies feel, but he was a great leader for us. Um, but that kid is a special talent, man. What about this uh, Alfonso St. John fellow? It's a lot to say as listening and <laughs> announcing. Um, it's a lot of syllables. Oh, yeah. But he had a monster year as well. So talk about what he and the backfield provide to you. Honestly, what goes un- unwavered and kind of overlooked is how much he blocked, um, especially in the national championship game, the blitz pickups he, he does. Um, you know, he didn't rush, he didn't have his best game rushing in the national championship and he knows that. And I bet you he wishes he had that game back, but he had some key blocks and pass protection that, uh, that saved us on a couple plays. Um, but he's just one of those, he's just a special player too, man. Like you, you get him the ball in open space and anything could kind of happen. Um, so he he was awesome for us all year. Him and Asher were a great compliment. And I think that was different from the year before is Jaden never wanted to come out. Um, that's something I loved about him. He always wanted to be on the field. He never wanted to come out, but he got banged up all year and he wasn't he wasn't healthy um so the difference was this year is a when you are tired just take a quick hit let Ashton come in and do his thing because Ashton's a very capable player too um so they were a great one-two punch and you know he he was really really important for our success even though you know it wasn't showing up on the stat sheet a ton um he he had some unbelievable runs and some big time plays for us this year so who who is graduating that you guys will miss the most? And then who do you have coming mm. back that – and then talk about your expectations for you yourself and the team um, as you enter your senior year. Well, everybody's coming back on offense besides our two receivers. Okay. So, that's pretty um, sweet. That's pretty sick, if you ask me. And our X Factor, Bloodbath McGrath, number 66. Who the hell's Bloodbath McGrath? Bloodbath McGrath, a dog. He is an unbelievable guard. Okay. He isn't the strongest. I think I might bench more than him. I'm definitely squat more than him, but the way his technique, dude, look his picture up, a dog, an absolute dog. Um, yeah, he was in between Bicker and Bicker and Cody Ike, who are two all-conference linemen. Um, and when he was in the game, it was just like it, he was like the X factor to our offense. He really was. He didn't play versus Endicott or Grove City, um, and those were the only games that we scored below. Or Susquehanna, he was hurt for for Susquehanna. Those were the only games we scored under 40 points. Um, so he was just great for us all year, and just to see how much how, how hard he worked, um, we're definitely gonna miss him. We're definitely gonna miss Cole and JJ. I mean, they were two unquestionably the top five receivers in D three football, and we had them both on the same team. So it's gonna be those are gonna be very hard to re- replace. Um, but we got some guys in the saddle that are gonna have to step up, and I think that will. Um, we're having both of our tight ends come back, which will be huge. Jaden's going to be back. No fullback on the roster? No fullback. We don't Soft need a fullback. No, ahead. that's great football. We'll go into 12 <laughs> personnel and run the ball down your throat if you want us to. Um, but, but I'm excited to get CJ back. CJ Messina, number 20. He tore his ACL earlier in the year, um, and he's an unbelievable player. So to have him and Joe in the slot is going to be huge. Andrew Tarpey, number 10, is going to be big for our offense. 
Um, and then there's some freshmen that are going to step up and play. Um, you know, maybe we get some transfers with the transfer portal. I don't really know, but no matter what's going to happen, we're going to be we're going to be a different offense, that's for sure. But I still think we're going to be very efficient. Um, so your expectations are to be like I'm not saying that your expectations are to win the national championship again, but you you feel that the people coming back and your ability and the head coach, you feel, you honestly feel like you can go on another magic run. Like Absolutely, this. no doubt in my mind. We have everybody on defense coming back besides Mark Noel, number seven, who is our lockdown corner. Got to replace him. Uh, we got to replace our three tech, and uh, we have a grad safety who came in and was. You talk about a guy that was beat up all year again, um, that just played every game somehow and made made some made some big time plays for us. But we still got some young guys. I mean, Sam Cotton was the rookie of the year in the Empire Eight game. He didn't play in the quarter. He didn't play from Brockport on, so he didn't play in the quarter jug. He didn't play in the playoff run, and he was the best player on our defense. He was unbelievable. Did he get hurt? Yes, he, he got. He had something going on with his, with his neck, so you know it was nothing to to play around right, with. Right, right, right. But he is a dog. And the, the fact that we were able to do that without, in my opinion, our best defensive player is is special. So to have him come back and just to see, we're going to get a bunch of recruits now too. Yep. You know, we're probably going to get the best player in Long Island, whoever that is. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's coming to our, I wouldn't right. be surprised if he's in Cortland, New York next year. Um, so I'm I'm very, very excited for our team next year. You know, we we have 40 seniors. Um, you know, it's so my class. This is like a... So Final this is, run, yeah, right? this is, this is like, the this is like, the, the, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Coyland's going to be, be good for a long time right, as long right, as right, Coach right. Fitz is there. But for us, it's our last dance, and <laughs> we want to go out on top. You know, we don't want to be the guys that won the natty and then, you know, got bounced in the first round next year. That's not what we're uh, what we're looking forward to. But we're definitely just enjoying this right now. I haven't put much thought to that yet, but as you can tell, I'm definitely fired up for next year. Let me ask you this. As you've always been one of the most mature kids I've met at, at, any, at any age, I, like I've said – I remember uh, running into you when I was working the golf course, and you would just be out there chipping, and you were super mature and polite back then. So now, as you look at what could be, I believe you st- you still have your COVID year, correct? Yep. So you still have the option for two, but let's. No, no, no. This is my last year. Oh, this is your. This last is my year. last year. Okay, yeah. perfect. So no matter what, this is your last year. Mm-hmm. So how how does your mentality change? Like you came in at a time where there were more veteran quarterbacks, who I'm sure helped you along the way. Yeah. You have a quarterback room that all these guys are looking at you. How does your mentality change entering your last season in terms of your own preparation, trying to win, but also trying to set up Cortland for success after you leave? I honestly think it was it, it changed this year. Um, for me because, you know, I was a starter this year. You know, I didn't really have to, um, you know, there wasn't like a competition. The year before, I, I had to compete and make sure that I was doing my thing. Um, and this year was more of like a kind of like a, a leadership role, making sure those guys kind of understand what I'm seeing. Um, and that's huge for me because if you come, if you watch me come off the sidelines, I am with our quarterback, our whole quarterback room the entire time. You know, I'm with Vin Mazzone, I'm with Troy Cherney, I'm with Dom Isabel. Um, and all those guys that are addressed, just asking them what they see. Because I know that we're thinking the kind of the same. You kind of have to as a quarterback in, in our system with the way Coach Fitz uh, teaches us and coaches us. Um, so it was huge for me just to make sure that those guys were asking questions because then it helped me get answers too when, when they're asking, hey, why do you do this? And then if I could say it, if I could teach it, then I could do it, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? So kind of just being there for them, I, I always tell them that, you know, I need everything uh, – Anything that they need, just just to ask me. Um, but that is something I want to leave this place better than I found it. Um, you know, and, and if I'm and if I'm not here, I want to give as much advice as I can to these young guys. Um, and, and and I take a lot of pride in 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 our quarterback room and making sure that those guys thrive as well. And I think you should you should do that. You should be very proud of yourself. I was like a little boy watching your game on Friday night. <laughs> just. 
trying to make excuses for why I could keep partying and celebrating by myself to Emily. Oh, yeah. uh, he, look, he messaged me back. He, he knows who I am. He knows who I am. Come and, on, uh, I, But you, you definitely will leave it better than you found it. Uh, I had a great question lined up. Dan has been doing a phenomenal job. I got one. Wait, ah, but no, yeah, go ahead, because I got one locked and loaded after you. Oh, okay. Shifting gears a tiny bit. I like that we're just bouncing oh, around. I got one. We have our uh, our very good friend and loyal listener of the program, oh, Mr. Boy. Pat Stasiak. Who's oh, great, An great, assistant great basketball coach great guy. for SUNY Cardinal. That's he has guy. been texting us the whole year mm-hmm. saying, yeah, just praising you, the type of kid you are, the type of um, dog you are in the field. And he wants to know what he has to do to get you on the basketball court. Is there any? Has there been any thoughts? Now, you are tied for the single game. Scoring record at Kenmore West. Yep. How many points? 42. 42. 42-10-8. 42-10-8 that game. And you you mentioned that you were thinking about going to play college basketball, maybe even maybe dual sporting at certain colleges, wherever you were looking. So is there any chance that we get to see Zach boys on the basketball court? Absolutely. Okay. I would love yeah. to. Uh, but that, honestly, is truthfully something I got to think about. Uh-huh. So you, you don't think you'd live with a lifetime of regret if you blow out your ACL and playing spring basketball I going would, into your senior I, year there's n- I would. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it. But I, I shouldn't have very, said that, Pat. Sorry. I'd be very upset if that <laughs> happened. And I think Coach Fitz would kill me before I got off the court. Yep. Um, but, no, nah, I mean, that, it, that'd be an insane opportunity. Um, that's something that I'd definitely dream about. That'd be cool. My dad did that when he was in college. Um, so that'd be, but again, that was like back in like 1905. So things were a little different back then. Um, but it's something that I thought about if, if they need me, then I would, I would love to to help them out, but they got some guys over there that are ball players too. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and think and act like I'm, I'm good enough too, or anything like that. But if I get the opportunity, I, I'd have to ask coach Fitz first and I don't think that he'd he'd be going for it, but if he was, I'd be, I'd be ecstatic. That was a great answer from top to bottom. (laughs) Do you think you could write down beat Chris? Uh, your brother Chris in basketball? Nine times out of uh, – literally nine times out of eight. I would whoop his ass. He what wouldn't score a bucket on me. Golf too. He actually, like, I kicked his ass this summer, and he's he's upset about it. If you ask those guys at Cherry Hill, those members up at Cherry Hill, I whooped his ass a couple times. I Real quick before I give it back to Bill, I couldn't believe the uh, butterflies I felt as you turned around uh, at that interview and hugged your brother. I can't imagine yeah. how your mother or anybody felt watching that. Yeah, yeah, that was nuts. Just to see, he was like the first person I saw. Yeah. <laughs> and like, shocked. Yeah, I was like, holy shit, like we did it. Because you know what I mean? Like my mom. Excuse you. Sorry. But <laughs> but if my if that was my mom, I might have started breaking down and crying. But it was Chris, so I was like, oh, gee, yeah, here we go. Um, but to see him and my uncle, that was nuts. Um, it's just to have something that we see on, you know, like that's going to be on ESPN and something we can watch forever. Um, yeah. So how much he's supported me this year has been cool. You know, if you guys know Chris Boyce, he's not the most supportive person. Um, but he, he's he's honestly been my biggest fan, and, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to be his brother. Cass is – sorry. Cass is – when I showed her that clip, <laughs> my wife's first reaction was, wow, I bet they've been a lot to Zach because Chris was such a dick to him oh, yeah. growing up. The biggest dickhead of all time. Yeah. I, I mean, if there's one thing that everybody in your friend group calls me to this day, yeah, we don't have to and it. we don't got to say it, but, I mean, hopefully, that, hopefully I'll live that name, but – Knowing all of our friends, not there's a not a shot that I ever will. Well, Zach would confirm. Anytime I got a question loaded up, Dan takes the microphone from me, and then I forget my question. But oh, shit. Bro. Like Zach, a typical college kid he is. Remember, we cannot forget he is still in college. He's not drinking the bottom of the chorus. But I will say this. Uh, <laughs> one, one thing I will ask you, and you said the words ESPN. You're a sports fan, not just a football guy. I know you're a big sports fan. You, you're playing golf all summer. You're doing all these different types of things. Love basketball, baseball, all these things. 
to hear Stan Verrett in Los Angeles call the name Zach Boys talking about you, I mean, just talk about what that felt like. Yeah, that was that was honestly when they came out with the ESPN highlight. That's just, that's the stuff you dream about as a kid, man. Like you just want to be on ESPN talking about you won the national championship game. Um, so it was really surreal just to see all that and all the the support that that I got and all the airtime, like the interviews and stuff. Like that, those are things that you'll you'll be able to show your kids, you know what I mean? And and you that you get some national attention some from people that don't really know you. Um, you know, like I gained like a thousand followers in four days so far on, on social media. So it's just pretty cool to see and you know, I'm just how many people are sliding in? <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. It's man. kinda like when I brought chicken wings to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, here we go. I can't believe that was brought up again. Um all right, Jack, let's let's talk a little all right, and I know you've been asked this a million times, but we might as well touch on it. Your dad is an absolute legend uh, around here in the football world, you know, coaching for that many years and being the athletic director for some time at Buff State and you grew up on a football field. Oh yeah. Tell us I don't know. I, I don't want to hear your cliche answer that you give everybody. <laughs> I want you to really break down what how that changed you as an athlete and as a quarterback, what it was like, maybe just even just the amenities you were um, exposed to, but what, what really was – like how much can you attribute your success to um, your father and being around the football program at Buff State? Yeah, you know, and I don't want to give you the cliche answer. And just the way – I don't want to also sound disrespectful in in a way, but him just allowing me to be around Buff State and really just be around the players, that's who I really learned from the most. Like learn, like watching Casey Kaz, Kyle Hoppy, like those yep. guys compete – and watching how my dad held them accountable and what he expected out of them. Corey you know, Martin and linebacker. Like, Corey Martin, like, being – but, like, that was honestly cool, though. Like, that was one of my brother's good friends, and I was going in and watching him practice every day and watching how my dad treated him. You know, my dad didn't treat him like he was one of Chris's Chris's friends. He treated him like his, his, like a like a coach should. Um, but just watching how those guys competed, watching how much they cared. You know, like, everybody said, oh, it's D3 football. Why are you going there on Saturdays? Like – why don't you come and do this or do that? And it's like, I was missing my Little League games just to go watch them play, you know? So just watching those guys and learning from those guys about, you know, what it takes and what it means to them will really just stick with me forever because that I always wanted to be a part of a football team and a program like that. Um, I think the main thing I just give my dad is the opportunity he gave me to be around, you know? Like, I was always in the I was always in the meetings figuring out when he was doing game plans and stuff. Like, I was always drawing up plays and, like, showing him, like, hey, you should do this. And he wouldn't just, like, shrug me off, give me the time of day. He'd actually, like, li- like listen to it, you know, like, try to figure it out. Maybe he was just bullshitting me the whole time, which he probably was. But, like, it made me feel as a right. little kid like yep. he cared about what I was saying. Um, so that's where I really just fell in love with football and just the way, the process of it, um, how you got to approach it every day. Like, he wasn't home all the time. Like, if I wanted to see my dad, I had to go into w- with him to work. And we weren't coming home until ten o'clock, so it was that. That was really cool to me. Like, you know, this is an all-day thing. You don't really get to do anything else. Um, and I just, I don't know why. I just fell in love with it, man. Forever grateful that I did, and forever grateful that I got that experience. Because I don't know if I'd be here. I'd know for sure I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for all those, all those times that I was with him. Um, I have a couple rapid-fire things that I wanted to touch on before. Oh. We don't want to take too much more of your time. I got no. I got all day. I'm doing literally nothing. Yeah, I know. I have a. I know. I know. We have a baby. <laughs> he said he's got nothing to do for the next month. <laughs> Lives around the block from me. I said I might hire you to babysit. Literally <laughs> <laughs> anytime. Um, I have a couple rabbit for. So I actually heard that was your first night game. The national championship was your first night game 
in how in how many years? It had to be since 2018. When you were in that was my senior year of high school. High school. No, so, 2019. So how did how did Coach Fitz go about uh, changing preparation and getting you guys prepared for that? Um, it really was tough. I mean, all day he was like, "Listen, you guys can sleep until whenever. We're gonna have meetings. We're gonna go through it, and then you're just in your rooms, just just relaxing." Um. So we had a lot of downtime, but we were also in a hotel, so we couldn't do much, right? Like, we we were very smart with what we did. Guys were just chilling in their rooms. We were playing video games and stuff, and then guys took naps. Um, but at the end of the day, like, it was it was still cool because we went – it was, like, the same gay doing routine. Like, four hours before we had our meal, so we ate at, like, 3 o'clock. Um, we didn't wake up till I think it was, like, 10. So it really was, like, 10 to 5 we had our downtime. Um but honestly, man, you're playing in the national championship, so whenever the time is to put the ball down, you're good, you better be ready. Um, and I think he knew that, and the players knew that. So we just had to get to that three o'clock window, because then that from there just kind of, you know, it was just a normal routine. And um, I know he'll he'll appreciate this. How much would you say growing up around Mike Licata has made you mentally <sighs> oh stronger with how how he uh, can put people in absolute pretzels with his words and actions. You know, watching him be able to break other people has been awesome, but the fact that he's never broken me has been my kind of biggest feat. He said he had you in tears a couple years ago on the golf course. Yeah, I guess so, but I don't remember that. I don't think anybody remembers that. Ask him what happened. Why didn't he play me this summer, Buck? Can you ask him that question? I will say this. Mike Licata, when you listen to this, ask me why you didn't play me this summer. We had a good time in Ellicottville golfing together this summer. We did. We did have a great time. We did have a great time. Speaking of the other Lakata, I know you did some training with Joe Lakata. Yes. Um, talk about maybe how that has enhanced your game over the last huge, couple of years. Huge, huge. We worked on a bunch of things mechanically. Um, you know, just some of the new age for kind of football things that you don't don't really get with anybody else. Um, we we worked a ton. I I think we only worked together, I think it was like five or six times this summer, but the stuff that I took away from it were stuff that I always used when I went to the field. Um, the drills and stuff, the two-handed throw. Um, just kind of the simple stuff that made sense to me. Um, he didn't try to change my throwing motion or anything like that. Just a few things about my weight transfer and, and how the ball wants to come out. Um, it really helped. Um, the ball was zipping out of my hand this year, and I always referred to the two-handed throw. But whenever I uh, was like in a slump or missed a throw, it kind of got me back on back to square one. Um, but I really think he's one of the best around to work work with mechanically, and he's just a good dude. Like he he really cares about college football and making guys better as players. So, um, you know, I'm really, really thankful for him and and uh, happy I kind of got connected with him. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, I think he's probably, and I don't know much about the Western York football landscape, but I would think he's seemingly, just from an outsider, what I know, like he's in a class of his own in terms of the, the quarterback training landscape. I don't really know of many other people who do it. I know he markets it very well. Um, and obviously he has a great resume to back himself up. You know, he used to work with a guy named Dan Hannon at Kenmore West High School <laughs> teaching physical <laughs> education. You know, one of those guys. Is he not at Kenmore West anymore? No, he's at Will South. Now he's – and he'll be there for 45 years. Yeah, he's never know. leaving there. Who's your, his, who's his your counterpart now? Hayner. Oh, Hayner's back at West? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I might have to come yeah. in and visit for a day. But okay, Dan's got a couple more. I got a little send-off for you. Yeah, I want to know uh, – look, I know we mentioned a little bit off air. Now you can give the politically correct on-record answer. So – you you have a coach and a quarterback that just took the world by storm, and maybe it's just Western New York, but like there's nothing more you can accomplish at the D three level than a national championship. So oh, yeah. you you have a you have a another year of eligibility. There's like there's zero thought of entering the transfer portal. Zero. Zero. It's not even close. <laughs> so you so if coach, my whole thing is this. Okay, go ahead. 
the amount of people that I've made friendships with at Cortland has been unbelievable. Like, you guys know it. You guys were in Cortland, New York. That, like, you're in a small we town. We were losers. I can't imagine how popular you you're are. You're in a small town with a bunch of fun people that really care about each other. And it's Cortland, too. Like, they all care about athletics. Everybody in the athletics department, like, every single one of them texted me after the game. Congratulations. Like, we all we have fun. We have a bunch of fun. There's nowhere else that I'd rather go. And Did Joe Brown text you? Joe Brown did not text me, but mm. Joe Brown told me to win the Civil War. Okay. So <laughs> if you if you know okay. about the Civil War, I think you can get that reference. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, honestly, like, he's just I, – I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I truly don't. Um, if Coach Fitz left, then, yeah, I'd, maybe I'd think about going somewhere. But I can guarantee you he's not going to leave. Um, you can guarantee that. Guarantee you. Okay. You think he's going to go somewhere in three months? I think if a D if a if a low D one program where well, I don't know I'm I'm just saying nowhere nowhere I mean no well, way Lance Leipold left uh, his powerhouse to go to UB I'm saying like a, yeah oh, but that I mean, was after it. he won ten national championships okay all right yeah that's right. not after one and Coach Fitz is like I said he's a Fulton guy like if he's going to go anywhere it's going to be in Syracuse New York and they just got their guy he's definitely not going to go to UB. Okay all right yeah all right he's, I, I'm and I saying, only got one more year he's not leaving in, in three months. And if he does, that me and him are going to have to fight. But okay. All right. All right. Then you then better stay in Cortland, New York. About but there really isn't because there's nowhere else we, we, you would rather be than Cortland, New York. You just made a lot of people happy with that answer. And I knew that was the case. I know this guy wants to get his degree. He wants to finish up. I got to get my PE degree, baby. He's got to teach. got to get my PE degree. He's got phys ed to, I don't know, maybe fall back on. I'm not exactly sure. But he did He did his observations under Dr. Chris Heim. I mean, this guy. What a guy. Chris Heim, what a guy, man. Chris Heim, great guy. I mean, you, you've very been you've been very fortunate around a lot of awesome people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very fortunate. The opportunities that Suda Quillen gave me to meet a lot of people, right? Like Mr. Heim and, and everybody. It's been, it's been really cool to kind of. It's the greatest, and I wish I could brag about it more. <laughs> I'd love to brag about it more to all my friends who never had the experience there. I know it's just a small college town. It's Absolutely. the greatest decision I ever made in my life was to go there. It's the greatest place that I've ever really been to outside of Buffalo, some of my longest-lasting friendships. Absolutely. I love that place so much, so much. And it, like you said, it's so tight-knit. Yeah. On Instagram that whole night, all I watched was your jersey, you, on all my friends who don't know you from Long Island, from down south. Right. Like, and I want to be like, that's my friend. And I, that, that's I, the best part about it, I think, is it, we're right in. in central New York, right? So everybody from Draw. all across, like, obviously, we joke about it all the time that there's a bunch of Long Islanders in there. But you get people from upstate. You get people from all over the place that all come together and all have a great time. Yep. You, there's friends, never a bad weekend in Cool in New York. Nope, you can do whatever you want. Friends from all over the state. Yeah, and exactly. speaking about how tight-knit it is, you talk about girls sliding into your DMs. <laughs> I've only had males slide into my DMs for the past decade or so. But Mo Kearney, basketball coach. I put up an Instagram of you. He put a little fire emoji. He was tweeting about you all the last couple of weeks. I think he'd welcome you. I'll I'll, I'll speak for him. <laughs> That's my guy. Um, I wanted so that following day we were absolutely buzzing at the bar after our basketball game, watching you. Oh yeah. Um, and we came off a tough loss, but whatever. No one cares about that. But the <laughs> next day we built our whole character. So we do a character talk every Saturday, and we built our whole character talk around your quote of. If you want to be the guy, you got to be the guy. And yep. that was Coach Phillips' idea, Nick Phillips, my JV coach. And he, he sent it around, and we had a great character talk. But So I, I want to know – and actually I found out that one of my players, Quentin Wilbon, uh, you, he sent a picture. You, I'm sure you don't even know, but he, he was one of like eight players that you were throwing to on a – so he's like, oh, my God, like that was uh, – his dad sent me a picture. So that's cool too. But I, I want to know, like you're, like, you're a, a local kid. Uh, you – you're you're a, a proud Western New Yorker, and you're going to be around athletics your entire life, whether you want to go into teaching, coaching, whatever it is, at any level. So, 
your advice uh, for those like let's pretend that they don't have the amenities. Um, and I, I do disagree with you, Zach. I, I think just the way you were raised by your dad and parent and my excuse me, your parents don't ever. I, I apologize for saying that. I <laughs> do. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna edit, edit that out. We'll How it. you were raised by your parents, you were gonna be successful regardless if you had Buff State around you. So. Your advice of, of what you've always been different, and you could be as humble as you want. You've you've been different your whole life. So your advice to young athletes around here that want to get to the pinnacle like you did, that it, whether it's about uh, working hard at you know athletics, but how things translate. Like your advice to if you could speak to the athletes of Western New York right now of how you became successful, what would you say? You can't be scared of big moments. You can't. You got to embrace them. You know, and that you kind of got to make them yourself. Right, like I took the East-West basketball game my sophomore year as the biggest game of my life. You know, like I took those little moments and those little games, those little rivalry games that you know might not care to anybody else, but if they care a lot to you, the bigger moments when you get into the bigger stage, they're gonna matter. It's not gonna seem like it's a bigger game than what it is, right? So I think it's just about internally you gotta make games bigger than they are, just so when you get to the big stage, you're you're ready for them. Um, you can't be you can't be afraid of, of the big moments. That quote that I said, if you're the guy, you got to be the guy. You can't just be the guy versus bad teams. You got to be the guy when the lights are the brightest, um, and you got to, you know, you just got to give it everything you got when everybody is watching. Um, so I think that's just my biggest piece of of advice is you have to work hard. Obviously, it's the hours you got to put in are are immaculate, but when the lights are the brightest. Or even if it, even if they are not, like if you're playing in a rivalry game, if you're playing in a game that you gotta win, you gotta just buckle down and say, "Hey, I'm gonna take this game over," and that will lead you into the the bigger stages and and allow you to play better at your biggest moments. Um, so I think just embracing, you know, the what you have to do, um, and making moments bigger than they are, and going and accomplishing them, um, are, are kind of huge. And then a follow-up, when you do experience failure on the field or on the court or even I don't know, in class, whatever, how do you attack failure to overcome adversity? You can't succeed without failure. you got to fail first. Um, you know, that's, a, that's the biggest thing. Like that Cortica jug game will, in Yankee Stadium will probably be the pinnacle of my, you know, like I can look back at that game for the rest of my career and be like, that's the thing that, that's the game that everything changed. Um, I posted that on social media. It really was, you know, because after that game I had nobody. Right, I'm being from on top of the school where I'm sitting at home and there's not one person texting me or no per- or a person that wants to hang out with me or do anything like that. So you go from being on top of the school before the game, right, to being at the bottom. Um, and I made a vow to myself to never feel like that again. Um, but that wouldn't have happened if I haven't failed if I didn't fail before that. Um, so I think you have to experience failure. You have to go through the hard times in order to to succeed. Um, I truly believe that. You know, if you if you could succeed without failure first, um, props to you. Um, but you got to kind of feel at your lowest because that will fuel you again to to get back to the top. Um, you know, it can make or break you, and some people will break you. But you know, if you really want to be great at stuff, you gotta gotta use these moments and you know just develop as a player and as a person. Yeah, Dan just asked the last two questions so that he could show a relevant. Hey, this guy went to Kenmore schools too. <laughs> You can show them your answers, right? I'm gonna play that clip. Exactly, I knew yeah, it. That, that, that's Hell why yeah. he asked the oh, two I'll be questions. at that game, too. Where is that? Is that East or West? Oh, that's – Camor East is the best place to play the like East-West game. Yeah. I swear to God. Yes. And, you know, speaking of, you know, coaching, I'm coaching girls basketball. We actually play at Camor West next week, too. Ooh. Um, how do you translate if you want to be the guy you got to 
be the guy to girls basketball. You got to say, if you want to be the girl, you got to be the girl. What do you say? Basically, (laughs) what I mean like that is you just kind of got to embrace the big moments when they're there. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid of them. You got to go attack them because if you're going to be afraid, you're never going to be anything. Don't be afraid to care about something. Don't be afraid to go and attack something. And like I said, if you're going to be afraid of like a a high school rivalry game, how are you going to act when you're on the biggest stage in college if you want to play at college? Um, So that's just, I think, what it is. Well, I would say that this is one of our top interviews that we've done, Dan. It's great to kind of kick the dust off of our shoes, kick back out of retirement. Hopefully this doesn't get lost in the interwebs when you try and edit it tonight, hopefully. (laughs) I'm starting to feel, feel the cold in here, yeah. It's, it's dropped about yeah. 15 degrees since Zach started talking. <laughs> it's cold, and, and we still want to do an introduction portion. portion. Maybe Zach will want to stick around for that. Oh, yeah. I'll talk a little Bill Sabres real briefly. But, uh, but Zach, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've often been on record as saying I, I wouldn't want to change lives with anybody in the world. And you, if I could change lives with one person, at least for the next few years, it might be you. I mean, this guy works at Park Country Club over the summer. <laughs> he shoots in the '60s and '70s. You know, he he. You know, and Buckets and Dan was a real thing. But he might even be w- more well known than Buckets and Dan on Cortland campus by now. Uh, people know his name, Zach. We really appreciate you spending the time to come on with us. You're a good friend, better better athlete, even better person than that. So thank you very much. Hell yeah! Thanks for having me on, guys. This is awesome. I'm happy to be here. Alrighty then. <laughs> That was exactly what we wanted. Couldn't have been better. So appreciative of Zach making time for us. Um, I, we were like two little kids at a candy shop, and uh, Zach is still here. He's going to chime in on some Bills talk maybe. So let's quickly – we both have babies. 15 minutes or less. Yeah, we need to tend to. So let's quickly get into some rapid-fire stuff. Uh, the Bills are so back, so back, and Miami is – Shaking in fear, and they—I this is a personal buckets and Dan, Dan guarantee they will lose at least one of the next two weeks, yep. and that week eighteen will be for the division. Yep. You watching Hard Knocks in season? No. How is it? It's great. They—they're really pumping that stupid speech. I listened to thirty. Emily's been real into it. They could not be a less likable team. I've—I I don't get it. I, I don't know how you can really. Get around a guy like McDaniel. I don't know. That's just me. Never really strapped the pads on. Zach might be a better guy to ask. He's a brilliant offensive-minded, at, at least it seems. Here's my little takeaway from Hard Knocks Miami. I know you didn't ask me about it, but, Dan, man, it is a different lifestyle down there. Like, they're showing in their in their, in their their weekly pre- preparation. Raheem Mostert's walking on the beach with his wife and his kids. You really got to commit to something to sign here as a free agent. And that's what I'm starting to realize about the Sabres and Bills. It's a hard – if you're not from here, have local ties, forget about this place. New York State income tax, all the whole whole nine. I was – so they've mentioned this point on Spit and Chicklets, and I just always equate it to Buffalo. Like imagine today if you're a 24-year-old like Dylan Cousins or however old he is, getting your ass kicked 9-1 and then waking up to – to snow and then it's dark by five and it's like could this could my life get any more depressing than right now and you wonder why these guys are such miserable pricks to the media and you wonder why the media is such miserable pricks because we all have to deal with this crappy city that the, oh there's only it's one tough. shining light in the city and it's Zach Boys winning a national it is it really is I mean th- that, that's what made that's what's gotten me through the past couple weeks oh I think yeah I think I had yeah what regardless I mean yep Buffalo and Cortland. Now I speaking of the mic, Zach. Again, 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 again. 
I'm in Cortland, New York. Grab the mic. It's different. It's different in Cortland, New York, right? Like where it's a college town, but it's just a different vibe here in Buffalo right now. Like they, when the Bills aren't good, what is going on here? Yeah, Nothing. Right. Dark so by 445. The Bills are getting better. Like it's it's a it's a better vibe, but I I mean the Sabers stink, dude. They're terrible. They're unwatchable. They are. So I mean I don't blame them, but. I am I am so down on the Sabres, so bummed. I mean, Dan, I remember just a few short months ago talking in here about yeah. that's the only thing that kept me yeah. going, and now it's a 20-year-old, 21-year-old guy who lives around the block from me. He's the only one that keeps me going, winning a national championship. I, I mean, this team <laughs> stinks. I don't know. Dan, I guess my question for you, let's have some substance to this, uh, to this conversation instead of just shooting the breeze. I think the one point or the conversation piece we should have is, you know, Don Granado has done a lot with this team in terms of turning around Tage Thompson. A lot of guys have credited him with their overall player development. Meanwhile, in the NHL, it's fairly, fairly common to fire coaches. He's the eighth longest tenured coach in the NHL already. He's only been here four years, less than. I, I, what do you do here? I don't, I don't, I, know, I, I don't I, know. I don't know what the answer is either. I, th- I, I reached out to my Sabres insider, Sky Lebovich, and I agree with him. Like, I don't th- like the problems run deeper than what the head coach decides. Here's a couple problems. They want to get to Eric Johnson's 1,000th game, it's and tough. he should not be playing because Ryan jo- they have not won a game with Ryan Johnson scratched. They have Matt Ellis running your power play. He's in the product of that's one of Terry Pagula's guys, that Matt Ellis. He's got his one of his – the GM – the GM probably has a plan, and he's and he's locked up guys, and he's done a lot of good things. But when your bottom of the roster is completely inept, like Olafson, Gergensen, um, you like with Greenway's been out. Like again, if we get healthy, I'd like to see this group fully healthy and move a little bit. But you're running out of time, and the fact that he hasn't made a move, like that we have so much in the cupboard that you can't go at least. And maybe he is trying. I don't know. I don't know how trades work. I, I, it's, I it's frustrating that they keep rolling out Brett Murray. In the well, bottom not six, keep. I mean, he played two games. Doesn't matter. The, the, the fact I understand the, the, the fact that they sent Savoy after four minutes. Yep. they sent Savoy. The fact that they cool up for one game. I know. and sent him back. But I think that shame on big time shame on Kevin Adams for not being more prepared than this. I agree. Thinking that all the guys are going to come back after a career year and play even better is 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 a hard way to think. And and, how, and it's I mean, upsetting. Like Cousin, and Cousins calling out and I guess. Adams wasn't happy with Cousins saying that they're not hard to play against, and he's frustrated. And you know what? You can blame Cousins. He's having a super he's down year. Terrible. Terrible year. But at least he's going to fight an absolute bruiser. For Which was a tr- bad decision. Bad, but it, <laughs> but who, but that the point is there's nobody else on the team that would do that. See, Zach, this is how the donuts get made. I, I, I'm, I'm upset with Adams more than Granado. I agree. And That's what I'm saying. I don't think firing the guy that, that no, changed I don't middle either. stat, changed Thompson, uh, changed Darlene, and again, he's coming off the worst head coach in sports history, so it makes him shine a little bit brighter, but his record is not great. Keeping Olofsson on this team just kind of sits not, weird with right. me. That's not Granado. I know. I and, know. and I'm sure he's playing. They didn't try Adams hard said, enough in the offseason to get better, especially at the goalie position, to just sit there and think Eric Comer is going to be a guy. And I think it's insane that it, the goaltending has been the least of the worries. I know, and, and you know what? The shame is that no one's going to listen to this because they heard the boys interview and yeah, they're going to say that's how. Your buddy Joey Cutler is like, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> yeah, Sabres hockey, yeah. never even heard of them. Uh, I only, I only I listen, I only listen to the Islanders. Yeah, I don't want to talk about. Uh, let's, we got, we're running out. We I know six you got minutes, <laughs> and I want to talk about. How, the how's it, how is it being a dad, Dan? Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing my own breath here. Yeah, it's, it's freezing in here. It, I, uh, being a dad is great, and I struggled for the first couple of months and I can't believe my wife didn't leave me during the first couple of months because she was don't hold your breath true 
Um, there's still time, I guess. But she should be on. I'm not even kidding. Like, I don't know how women do it. I mean, I I'd assume all women are like this, but I know like my wife is the best mother, and she should be. She should be um, doing vlogs and books and and selling. You know, her advice. Like, she is that good. Our our baby is perfect, and I know. 99% of it is because of how amazing of a mother she is and it's great my I wake up I, I'm, I'm the uh, <laughs> I'm the starter and the closer during basketball season I get her up We she is so giggly in the morning it's my favorite part of the day I get to put her down the other day if you want me to get serious for a second we had a horrible loss on alumni night so embarrassing as one of uh, trying to change the culture of a program they played absolutely horrendous I was ready to absolutely just drive my uh, car into a tree on the way home and then a little perspective we have an assistant coach whose father passed away and I get to go home uh, to a perfect four-month-old baby who is the the highlight of my life so it, it puts basketball in perspective and I was lucky enough that she was fussing a little bit so I was able to go up and just hold her for like two hours as she was sleeping and that really calmed me down so it's 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 wonderful, Bill. How is fatherhood for you? It's exactly the same, Dan. You did a great job of explaining it, Emily. I love you to the moon. You, you've done an outstanding job. Just amazing. You know, couldn't ask for anything more. And, I, Dan, I, I, I echo all your sentiments. Um, I think one of the greatest accomplishments in mankind is calming a crying baby in times of stress. You know, Zach thinks he's seen pressure before. Buddy, we'll see how you are. I haven't seen I, have I haven't kid. seen you around a tired wife and a crying baby and getting in there and being able to kind of say the magic things, do the magical movements and get that baby down. I mean, that I want to come out and I want to do the Ray Lewis dance when I come out of the baby's room after that. Dude, those first those first we don't have to get into I see. It. I think we're flipping because we're seeing the sleep progression are, now. Now you're living yeah. on Easy Street. It appears with the sleeping. She, yep, she is. Yeah, she's perfect, and it's all to my wife. She's Zach, I'd say advice is appreciate that you Your can just take is, a nap when you can that, yeah. take a nap. Yeah. Yes, right now because I can't take a nap. Embrace naps. I can't take a nap, or I can't sleep in. I don't think for years. No. Nope. Yeah, and, and yeah, dude, enjoy, enjoy what's happening. But enjoy. I love you, Emily. I appreciate you. Yes. All right. Very. Uh, let's go. That was good. That was a good update. Let's go back to the Bills, because I think, and I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I think this week is closer than it should be. Then I think it's the the Patriots game is going to be very similar to that second Jets game where we kind of just dominate the whole game and it's not really close and it's kind of like whatever. And th- let me ask you this. I saw this on Twitter. Who's more scared for them to come? You could chime in on this too, Zach. Which team is more scared to face the Bills as the home team? So, excuse me, like they're like the Bills are going on the road in the playoffs. Would you be more scared if you're Kansas City or more scared if you're Miami? Let's say the Bills get in as the seven seed and they have to go to Miami uh, in the wild card. Zach, you can go if you want to go. Miami, without a doubt. It's a divisional opponent. You'd rather play Miami? I'd rather play Miami. No, 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 no. <laughs> Which opponent is more scared of the Bills? Yes, Miami. Miami. Okay. Miami. Yep. I, so the only counterpoint to that is if you're Miami, you have – that probably means that you beat the Bills week 18, and then they snuck in a seven. If, it, if it were, if we're doing this, and it's, it's, it is hard to beat. Well, they wouldn't, dummy. We beat them the first time. So, so I didn't mean to call you dummy. I'm sorry. I love you. Um, but I think I think I I the only reason I disagree is Allen's came in the last four times at Arrowhead and won three and dragged his nuts across your face. Watch out! You got the, students listening. To this. I don't care. Editing boy. 
and he he dominated you in that game that should have won, as opposed to Miami, which has all this tape, and you're going to be so familiar with them. And I think that's I would that's only, I think both of them are going to be afraid regardless. But that would be my only counterpoint. But I do I do think I'm not, and I know this is just stupid optimistic, and we could, we're probably going to lose this week. And I'm stupid optimistic, Dan. Niners Bills will be the Super Bowl this year. You can book it right here. Niners Bills. Yeah, that, that'd be cool. I got I, the Niners to win. And it's just it's just crazy how long of a of a season football season is. I want to tell you, you're a quarterback <laughs> and you get that. But like, think about with some of the stuff. Like, I was ready to never. I've said this in the group, and Johnny Passman always calls me out because I'm such a reactionary loser. Like I said after that, uh, it wasn't even the Broncos. It might no, because I fell asleep for the Broncos game. It was a different game. I said I'll never watch. It was the Eagles game. I said I'll never watch another Sean McDermott coach Bills game. Like the, he is an absolute joke. And okay. I am so li- – they're going to win the Super Bowl. Question for you and Zach, Zach being more of a football guy than us. I, I think the whole – I got fired up over the McDermott thing. I thought it was total BS. I thought it was unfair to him. I still really like McDermott. I know he's flawed, and he even said that himself. I want him to be our coach. I'd die on that hill. What do you think kind of went on in the Bills locker room, Zach? I mean, do you think players bought into what was being said about their head coach, or do you think they Absolutely. not pay attention to that? I mean, this was three years ago, right? Like, yeah. this whole thing came out three years yeah, ago. Yeah, that whole story happened. did. But yeah. in general, how right. he's not very well viewed in the locker room, too. I think it just comes down to the players got to play, right? And, and there was some poor coaching decisions, and, and that's going to happen. But they didn't play their best either. And I think they wanted to play for their coach, especially with all this stuff coming out about his character, right? Like, if you th- you can't tell me that that locker room doesn't rally him. He 100% does. He 100% does rally. They, they rally around him. They go as he goes. So I think that's a big part of it. Now, I got to ask you a question, though. If you're a Bills fan, what would be more disappointing if we go on this historical run, get to the Super Bowl, and then lose? Or would you rather this just be the end of it and just be oh, just get done with this I'll season? take the Super Bowl. <laughs> Me too. I, I, think, I think that's part of the – like. and again, a lot of teams go and don't come back or whatever. You kind of see Philly falling out of their window a tiny, tiny bit after last year. But you got to get there. I think I think experiencing a loss would be the next step in this procedure. Sure. Going back to McDermott, the only thing that worried me is that I thought it was weird that your quarterback didn't come out and and like like really take a hard stand that McDermott's his guy and he hasn't lost the locker room. I don't even think he commented on it. I think that's very weird. But then he seemed in good graces with Which him. Which is after. fine. And that that could be the case of Sean's my head coach, and I respect him. But I'm certainly not going to put my name alongside him, like other like. And I thought it was. I thought the Mike Hyde quote was very weird. You could tell. Hyde you, likes McDermott. I understand, but this was his quote. Unless unless I took it wrong, I listened to it, so it's not like I heard the tone differently. But he was like, "I'm a grown man. I know what I did wrong." And Sean, sometimes I don't need Sean to hold me accountable, but he does. And that's fine. I think that was a respectful quote from him. And, 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 You're an absolute coward to say all that and not put your name on it. If you're, and it's very easy to see who those players were. It's Quentin Spain. It's John Feliciano. It's probably Chad Hall, who again left because his wife wanted to go to a warmer climate, as opposed to re up with the Bills. I think that the story about him, McDermott being mad over the BS. I think that's that's BS. And at most, I could see McDermott saying like, "You're like this is a distraction. Like we need to be." Like he's such a lo- like I think McDermott's a a football loser. Like he, I don't. The only, I'm saying that it's the only thing he cares about in the entire world. No, it's not true. He okay. Have you listened? To the, you've, there's been stories that come out that reporters have asked Sean McDermott what his kids were for Halloween, and he looked back at them saying, "You know what? I should know that," and immediately go into the office and call his wife because he's so locked into football during the later month of October. I think you're exaggerating. Things. I swear to God, he's at all his kids' games. That's in the off season. Yeah, yeah. he's at all his. Su- 
great. So is every NFL head coach. They're I'm locked in completely. From, okay. Yes, they are. Okay. You're right. I, I'm not arguing that. I mean, Bruce Arians also had a rule that if you're a coach, you never miss your kid's parent-teacher conference. He would make you go home for that. But I'm just saying, he cares more about football, than uh, that, which is fine. You're it's an NFL fine. coach. You should do that. Okay, but I think that 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 mentality of um, like that 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 stuff gets old. Like Mike Hyde and Josh Allen have been here, for, been with the same guy, listening to the same crap for seven years. And when when you first come in and they're turning the culture out from 2017, like that's a big thing. But when you've heard the same thing, like trust the process and clapping after mistakes, I bet that shit gets old. When it's when the, now the players can look at it, him and say, well, if you want to call the timeout here, I know, this clock management is still horrendous and will be. The, I know will be the factor why we never win a Super Bowl. Leads again. me to a point. I want to ask Zach this question. Sorry, we're jumping into your interview again, but. I thought Fitzpatrick was amazing at clock management in maybe the four games that I watched this year. And secondly, how did he handle you guys as, as McDermott handles players as people and players? How did he handle you guys as students and athletes? How did he kind of handle the academics first type of thing? you got to let players be players, right? Like you kind of got to let them like figure out what they want to do. you gotta, you got to let them kind of figure it out on their own and be there for them. You know, you can't really be um, – I would say like too much on them. You gotta gotta let them figure it out. So I think that was a great thing that he did. He allowed us to figure out what we had to do, and then he'd get on you if you were doing something wrong. I think in McDermott's case, you, you're dealing with grown men. Like they're in a locker room. They've done this before. They've done the whole song and dance. So I think they rally behind him. I don't think it's it's anything about that. But I think it's also just when when things are going bad, right? You're the one that's getting the blame. You're the, he's getting the blow on the blame, right? Oh, yeah. So that's that's there's no way to go around that. So I think just the the way that it's all shaken out, it was it was huge for him to kind of get that blame and then for the players to rally behind him. That kind of was bigger to me than anything else, right? Like your players did rally behind him and they ended up did winning. We won the what the last three games, yeah. last two games. So it's been huge and it's been after the bye week and like you said, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of rats that are saying, "Oh, I told you so, I told you so," because they're not there anymore. They're yeah. not experiencing the success. Like Isaiah McKenzie, what is he doing? Gambling. Exactly. So that's. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, that's my guess. I don't know. So that's what I mean. So I do, I don't think it's just like a. I think it, the rally cry behind McDermott. It, trust me. He has done things wrong. The clock management is terrible. But I would still, the guys rally around him. The the, especially with last year, they still want to play for him. So oh yeah. I still want him as our head coach. You know, he's he's calling our defense, <clears throat> and, and Joe Brady we trust. And I would say for all the people who who want to blame him, how about asking the Ed Olivers of the world, who we didn't think would be like a clean-cut guy who came into this McDermott team, and, and he pretty much credited with saving his football life last year at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that he's not an amazing defensive coordinator. I think you've seen... I, I, he's I, a great head coach. Sorry. We won 13 games last year. That, and yes, and I agree with that. <laughs> but my point is, he I, to me, and maybe he'll prove... And I would, I would love for him to prove me wrong. I think his... His greatness and what he provides and what his ceiling is has been reached. It's he's not, going to, it's just not. He's going to make. He's he's crumbled in in big moments multiple times, and I understand it comes down to players, but some of it's blatant execution on your head coach. Okay, and and I think that he. Can, I think he's can, a, can he's a head coach not improve in those areas. He's been here seven years. I think that I think that he can still improve in those areas. Uh, he better. Yeah, I agree. Correct. How I, much, I, I get it. I, I, how, how, I still how will hold out some window. hope. Bill, you're waiting. As long as Josh like, Allen's like here. Micah, I, you just watched Micah Hyde's prime fall away. You just watched Jerry Hughes' prime fall away. Jerry Hughes' prime? Jerry Hughes. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> talking about players that were great while they were here. 
and then fall, fall away. You just watch. Jordan Poyer had his prime under right, and that's now fair. he's done. Now sure. Tremaine Edwards is gone. You're rotating through a second set of I understand. Of players. And, and I don't want to go to, I don't know, who? I don't know. The, and the, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know the answer. I don't think bringing Dan in. Dan Quinn. I don't think, yeah, I don't think bringing in Ben Johnston or a, a first-time exactly. offensive Exactly, no, especially with the way that we have it set right now. Be, I don't even know who it is. The perfect guy would be. No like, one. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The, the Chiefs, even though it wasn't seen as a great hire, at the, or, uh, you know, it wasn't completely applauded at the time of getting Andy Reid, but an offensive-minded guy that's been there that can't get over the hump, kind of like the opposite of Sean McDermott, the offensive version of Sean McDermott, that would be the perfect version to bring in. And, and I don't know it doesn't matter how much we talk about it. Pagula will never, ever do it unless Brandon Bean tells him to do it. And, and Brandon Bean is probably not firing Sean McDermott. That's All right. And right. I think so. It's a moot conversation. I agree. And, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. It's another reason. To and they're going to the Super Bowl this the, year. Yeah. <clears throat> We're going to win the Super Bowl anyway. So that was one of my favorite episodes ever. I am freezing right now. I have to get in. Get into editing. Of my child. Zach, we love you. Bill, I love you. Yeah. And right. Mom, I love you. I know.